0: In this episode of the Insight Podcast, we are talking with women in technology leadership positions. This is an important discussion centered around diversity, equity, and inclusion. We hope that this podcast will inspire you and that you will join us at this year's SITE annual conference, where we'll be hosting events and spaces for conversation related to women in technology. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to resources discussed in the podcast. And on that note, we are now on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to Jamie for helping spread the word about what we hope is a great resource for all of our colleagues in California IT and education. Our next episode will be on breaking into tech leadership in general. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And now, on to the Insight Podcast. Welcome to Insight Podcast. In this episode, we have Jamie Lusatter, Tracy Logan, Trish Paulson, and Amy Fong. My name is Shane Pinnell, and unlike our other episodes, co-moderating with me today is Tuda Bentitu. I want to take a, little, a moment to acknowledge that today's topic might be a little bit tough, and I my, I may make some mistakes, or we may make some mistakes, but we really want to get through this and, and have an opportunity to have a great discussion about women in technology and uh, to learn from each other. Tuda, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, Shane, and thanks for having me. I'm excited and honored to step in for Jamie and for Jamie to have the opportunity to be on the other side of the questions. In this episode, our panelists will be asked to share their stories of how they came to their positions, discuss challenges of women in tech and leadership roles, and we'll get to take advantage of hearing their thoughts on other issues in technology. Let's start with our game so that everyone gets to know each other a little better. How this works is I'll say a topic and all of us will answer. The first is text or call. So Tracy, why don't we start with you?
2: If it's a closed-ended question, text. Open-ended, call. Trish? I would have to agree with that, but I do prefer text because it's just faster.
0: How about you, Jamie?
2: I always text. My husband thinks it's a really
3: funny game to grab my phone and start a phone call and then hand it to me because he knows I'm going to freak out. I would just (laughs) much rather text.
0: Amy, Text. Text. Awesome. How about you, Tita?
1: I'm kind of the same. If it's something simple, I'd rather text because it's a lot easier, but I do prefer calling because sometimes the back and forth can get really annoying.
0: So I'm going to go with, uh, I'd prefer neither. However, if I could get a phone that wouldn't do phone calls, I would get that phone. So text all (laughs) all day long.
1: All right. Our next one is the Google Workspace or Microsoft Office 365. Amy, why don't we start with you? Oh, Is that
0: because I, I just
4: look really bewildered? Yeah, no, Microsoft. Sorry, I don't do Google.
3: How about you, Jamie? Definitely Google. It's, I, I find it to be an easy experience.
0: Trish?
2: Has to be Google.
0: <laughs> what about you, Tracy?
3: Google all the way.
1: Tudor? I'm torn. Like, I like both. Both have great... <laughs> I'm, I'm like terrible at these because I can never pick one, but I guess I'll pick Google because I feel like the sharing is a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I've lived in the Google workspace or workplace space for so long that I'm going to pick Google, but I could use either one. It's they both kind of solve the same problems. It's just what I'm more familiar with happens to be Google, but I could jump into the Microsoft space. No problem.
2: Definitely.
1: Well, thank you all for playing. And now we'll move on to our first topic of the show.
0: Yeah. So thanks everybody for joining us today. Let's open up with our panelists' path to tech leadership. So uh, Amy, you want to share your background and any current projects you're working on with us?
4: Oh, sure. So I'm Amy Fong. I'm Chief Operations Officer over at California School Information Services. So that's CSIS. I'm really grateful right now to be working uh, as part of the governor's work group on friends career data system. Right now we are building a replacement for the SACS financial reporting system for CDE. And Yay. I would say that my, my path to leadership I started with coming in as a, as a database programmer in the early days of CSIS. We operated a lot like a startup, just everybody wearing multiple hats. We did it all. Um, and I found our work just to be very impactful, you know, changing that paradigm of aggregate data in favor of detailed data and
5: accountability. And it was a huge shift in, in thinking. So.
0: All right. Tracy, how'd you end up in technology?
5: My path has been a meandering, shall we say. So I am Tracy Logan. I'm the chief technology officer in the West Contra Costa Unified School District, which is in Richmond, California, Bay Area. And I come to tech by way of social work, actually. My Mm -hmm. first career was in social work. I did a lot of case management with truant students. So I've been in education. I come from a family, a legacy of education and public service. And I found, though, that my work in social work, people are hard and complex. Um, And uh, while... I was passionate about the work. It was really the data that was driving our work that I became really interested in. And how did that data come to be? And how did we make sense of it? And how did we know it was accurate? And so it really got me into talking with the data folks and the tech folks and kind of looking under the hood and figuring out how do things work. So that that's how I got started. And I've continued to have various levels of uh, work in the tech department and really doing a lot of kind of process improvement and looking at using tech to help people people and tech as a tool.
0: Do you have a uh, current project you want to share with us?
5: Oh my gosh, where do I begin? (laughs) I think our, our biggest current project is bringing all kids back into school and adults back into our building. And how do we take what we've learned from this year plus, particularly around collaboration and how to collaborate in cool, innovative, hybrid ways and do that in our, in our classrooms and in our schools. Oh,
0: great. Thank you. Jamie, why don't you go next for us?
3: Thank you. All right. Um, Jamie Lusatter and CTO for Lockdown Unified, as our regular listeners may know. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this opportunity, um, Tuda and Shane. It's quite fun. I started my career in education a little bit late. I first, um, right after school, high school, I kind of went to junior college part-time and I worked at the YMCA. And I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I just took a little bit longer to get there. So I was a daycare director, camp counselor, school bus driver during summer, 100 kids to Disneyland, like having so much fun. Um, And then one day I'm like, I just got to finish school. So I quit my job, became a nanny so I could finish school. So that was that was quite an experience, very humbling and, and eye opening, but quite rewarding. And when I finished school, I decided to find a job to teach. And it was you know 2008, so there were no jobs. Um, so I worked on getting two credentials, and it was like, whatever school will take me, that's where I'll work. And I actually ended up at the school that I went to as a high school student, which was, oh, cool. was quite funny. Yeah. And so one of my teachers was on the interview panel, which was hilarious to have to teach one of my teachers. And and that was great. Yeah. So I did that for five years and then got recruited into technology and uh, just leveled up year after year and became CTO after, you know, just a lot of hard work of learning everything that I had no clue about. And it's it's been quite an amazing adventure. So I'm, I'm grateful and kind of feel like I have my dream job. It's, it's and, really, really fun.
0: Yeah. But you forgot the uh, that you were part of the best CTO mentor cohort ever.
3: Right. Yes. I forget which, I forget which
0: number it was because it was so long ago, but um, yes. And Jamie and I, we were, we, were in the same, we were
3: in the same cohort, so. Yeah. Uh, oh, and current project, security cameras and building modernization. All, all the fun stuff that I don't have a degree in, which I'm learning a lot.
2: Uh, Trish, how about you? I wasn't uh, in education originally. I was a news reporter. And I worked my way up to be managing editor of a newspaper. And that included managing the network, all the computers and the press. So it was a big challenge. I was thrown into the fire. And uh, then I left journalism and became a teacher. And I was scouring buildings looking for technology because I wanted to use technology because I always use technology. I'm paper and pencil challenged. So I dug up all the technology, started doing things. And then my principal noticed and was like, hey, apply for this grant. And part of that grant included network training and things like that, setting up a server doing all the configuration of the classroom. So that got me excited. And I was also in a tech master's at the time. So then I jumped into the ed tech side and worked my way over to the IT side. And I felt like the IT was kind of like the heart of ed tech. If it's not beating right and working right, then ed tech doesn't happen. So I was really passionate about getting in this side and helping to make Networks more efficient, getting the technology in the classroom. All right.
0: Thank you, everybody. Really appreciate the uh, appreciate the background.
2: So now we want to know what's in
1: your toolbox. What do you feel like are your biggest strengths? So Tracy, why don't we start with you? So
5: I think probably my biggest strengths are what I actually draw from my humanities and social work background, which is understanding complex problems um, breaking them down really trying to figure out what are the different trees that are part of this larger forest how do the trees need to interact there are a lot of similarities between human systems and technology systems and so really bringing that people process technology together to solve problems that's awesome awesome
2: trish how about you I think what I bring is a service mindset and it's similar to what she was just talking about with the people, the people involved in understanding the classroom, having been a teacher in the classroom using technology, understanding the needs and just focusing on the people and making sure that everything's working for them, that they understand how to use the tools and that we have selected the best tools for the jobs. Great. Jamie,
3: how about you? For me, I think I'm going to forever be a teacher, and that's just how I lead and how I approach every problem is, is how can we learn from this? How can we grow? And and again, how do we just make this work for the kids and, and the teachers? So everything for me is about the education and making sure that stays running. So keeping that at the front and doing my best to listen to everybody and making sure that their needs are being met. Um, and my assumptions about what their needs are may not be correct. So always listening, interviewing, um, having having students that I can... Reach out to to run ideas, uh, bounce ideas off of. And I think that's that's been kind of transformative for me in the past few years. So definitely listening and and coming at it always as a as a teacher.
4: Awesome. How about you, Amy? Uh, I think similar to to Tracy, you know, at CSIS, we our core work is really building systems and then rewriting existing aging systems for the state. And so through that work, we've done a lot of you know. Good things. We've also seen the pitfalls. There's there's patterns, right? And there's strategy that you think about when you're implementing large scale statewide systems. And so, I think for me, having that background is really important. But also the background of the the humanities background that I share with with Tracy, um, because there is a lot of, of similarities and patterns, you know, and the connectedness of of people, how they do things and how they approach things, how they think about things. Um, and I think that that it's really important to remain grounded in that human aspect when you're approaching the technology so i think you know having that combination is really served me well
0: yeah, i really i really appreciate the uh the diversity of backgrounds that we have on this panel you know it's, it's going to yeah. i think it's going to lend itself to a great discussion today and i was just thinking um from our previous panelists there's uh everybody's everybody's very different in their backgrounds um throughout all of our episodes where we've been talking with panelists uh there's no there's no uh, tried and true path to technology leadership. Um, it's, it's, it's so varied, it's it's interesting. Thank you for those responses. Our, our next question for our panelists is what or who are your influences? So Amy, why don't you go ahead and start us off?
4: Ooh, um, I'd say initially, you know, I'm really influenced by the leaders that helped shape CSIS you know, there's really a mindset around diversity and collaboration that's part of our fabric here. Um, so I like being able to be part of that, you know, being able to be part of, you um, you know, an organization that, that helps people create the lives that they've always wanted for themselves and their families. I'm really passionate about that. Um, and then I'll also I'll just give a shout out to my mom. She was a teacher. And, um, you know, I saw the impact that an individual teacher could have on the lives of you know, her newcomer students, she's very passionate about supporting them, um, not just inside the classroom for success, but outside the classroom and, and just making sure that they felt like they fit in, really understood um, American culture and things like that. Um, you know, I would say I knew that teaching wasn't for me, um, <laughs> but, you know, in, in, the, in, in my work and what I've been able to see is that um, data can really scale the, the help right? The improvements in the education system. And so I think that's what sort of
2: motivates me, what influences me, what drives me today.
0: Thank you. How about you, Trish?
2: That's a really tough question because when I got started, there weren't a lot of women, even in journalism, there were like, I was one out of 60 reporters for the state and front page news. And it was very tough to find uh, women, you know, so a lot of men were my influence. Um, you know, my father and my brothers, they were engineers and, you know, had businesses and they, they were influences, but believe it or not, my daughter was the greatest influence on my life. And she led by being a follower. She was always looking at me when she was younger and looking to me as a model for her. And so I was always trying to strive to be better for her and, you know, to give her, you know, something to model her life after because I didn't have that. So she was the great motivator, still is.
0: Fantastic, how about you, Jamie?
2: I always think about
3: my grandparents, they raised me and um, my grandfather had a passion for just making everybody around him happy and taking care of everyone. And he was, he was the nurturer of the family. And as he got sick, as he got older, my grandmother you know, became the one who took care of the family in terms of finances and just watching her be so strong. Was was an incredible influence. Um, my grandfather, you know, we built computers together, so that was an early tech influence. And I would, I would definitely just say that they're they're my motivation and um, have taught me so much just about how to have a relationship that's healthy, how to be a leader, and how to take care of your family.
0: How about you, Tracy?
3: Similarly, one of my
5: biggest influences is my paternal grandmother. So, as I mentioned earlier, I definitely have a legacy of education in my family and my. Paternal grandmother, who we called Nani, was the first female high school principal in the county where I grew up, which... Sounds crazy, right? Um, it wasn't that long ago, but it was a huge deal. And I just I remember being a young person and thinking, like, well, first of all, how cool that my grandma's this high school principal. She raised four boys, incredible leader, and didn't consider herself a feminist. It wasn't part of her sort of lexicon or her worldview. It was, she's just like, this is important work. This is the work that I do. I care about it. I'm in it. I'm all in. And it wasn't a lot of kind of thinking about. What does it mean? Larger than just really focus on the work at hand, and it's it's inspired me to know myself and to know my passion and to stay focused and just work work really hard.
0: That's awesome. I you see know, it's a pretty common theme amongst us uh, amongst the, the panelists here. So thank you for sharing that. I really
1: appreciate it. We just want to know what did you most recently learn or mo- most recently fail, um, Jamie? Let's
3: start with you. I will. I I had a really great week of fails. Uh, a couple months ago, it was like, I was just numbering them off. And each day I was like, hey, team, here's field number three. Uh, but but I think my my biggest uh, was bringing the school board back in person and having public and just being completely underprepared for the tech challenges that came from that experience. And it was, it was so eye-opening. And I think the greatest thing about it was it built a lot of um, empathy for the teachers who are doing concurrent teaching, because yeah. I tried to do a concurrent board meeting. And we had a we had some tough topics on the agenda, uh, but the best part that came out of it, and, and we learned so much just about you know sound inside a space and people who can't remember to mute or you know speakers turn on randomly, um, was a, a parent text uh, emailed me the next day and said you know, that looked really hard. You kept your calm, you know, really great job. We saw how hard you were working to make that work. Thank you for trying. Um, but you really did look like a Harry Potter painting because I was going in and out of everybody's zoom windows as I was trying to solve all the problems. So that was probably the most memorable fail of the year for me.
1: Awesome. At least there was some acknowledgement to you. That's great that they kind of saw that you were working to, to help them out. So <laughs> yes
3: yeah I, I, I learned that you can't be the you can't run the board meeting, be the participant, manage the public, manage the online public comments, manage the speakers who are supposed to be in person but decided to be online. I mean it was it everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. It, it was pretty fantastic.
0: and And I like the the phrase you coined there a week of was it a week of fails?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we've all had those..
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you, Tracy?
5: Well, I was actually going to say it's been a year of fails. (laughs) 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 And it truly has. I mean, what you were just describing, Jamie, has been our daily, weekly, monthly experience, Mm -hmm. um, but really reframed as learning experiences, right? Mm -hmm. We've learned so much and so much of this, you get thrown in. Sure. You plan as much as you Mm -hmm. possibly can, but then you get in there and then you got to figure it out and it's all Mm -hmm. hands on deck and I would say I'm actually really grateful for this last year of so many mm-hmm. fails because in some ways we've had a little bit more permission to fail okay. in a different sort of way. There's been more empathy, more grace, I would say, a more sense of we are all in this together and we're all going to sort of pitch in and figure it out. So I'm grateful for that and grateful for the fails. I would say that my ongoing challenge on the daily though is still work-life balance and um, that is one where I also um, fail on almost a daily basis. And I'm I'm open to suggestions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that.
0: <laughs> you go back to that, that first question of uh, text or phone and just say neither. Just turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Amy, how about you? Yeah,
4: that's a really good strategy. And and that's actually, I, I was just thinking that's probably my my most recent fail definitely hands down is just walking that talk about self-care and, and taking time to recharge. You know, I would go after everyone, everyone in the organization, just to make sure they're, they're taking their breaks, getting outside, you know, move your body for 30 minutes every day, you know, and just like all in, you know, just just encouraging them all, but totally failed to take my own advice. And, you know, it adds up. So there was a day that I just said I needed to a day off and I mean, there's no text, there's no email, I'm just off. Um, you know, we have probably, I want to say about 10 or so staff that I recently checked in with, you know, that they all have family in India and they're so far away and things are happening there. It's just really heavy stuff. And so for me, it's a little like, you know, you're, you're, when you're younger and you were like skinning your knee, um, and it's gets scabbed over, but then you go fall down again. And, and, and the second time is worse, you know? So just kind of reminding myself that that's, that's not a good way to operate. It's a good feeling. So just kind of take it a day at a time and make sure to get some of that, um, Yeah. Self-care downtime. Yeah.
1: I know it's so hard sometimes to justify taking time off because there's so much work, but honestly the work will always be there and there will always be so much work. So you taking a day off, isn't going to change that. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Trish, how about you? Um, well, I, uh, I'd have to say a lot of what we did this last year was in my plans. Um, cause I always want to be one-to-one. That was kind of like, I come here and I'm thinking we need to be one-to-one. Every student should have a device, you know, and be connected So I already knew exactly what I was going to do if that happened. So as soon as the pandemic hit, it's like, oh, boy, here it is. We get to do it. And boom, boom, boom. We were buying, buying, buying and got all the stuff in place, you know, much sooner than I ever expected. Not that there weren't issues. Of course, like everyone else, we had our Zoom issues and, you know, we implemented GoGuardian, which is a great tool for teachers Mm -hmm. and, you know, issues here and there, you know, lots of training. And then... For me right now, my latest project is trying to get a vendor to agree to my vision <laughs> for, for data entry in our organization and how that should flow. And that's my latest challenge. Um, I've been wrangling with them for a year now because started the project last summer. And uh, we're on pause right now. And they're getting collected. And I'm hoping they can reach the heights that I set for them. <laughs> but yeah. There's going to be some areas of failure or maybe not right now, you know, next year, you know, I'm, I'm willing to say, okay, we can do that in six months or we can do that in a year, but it needs to be on the roadmap. And that's kind of how I work. I always expect some failure though.
0: Yeah. Tracy, I want, I wanted to to follow up on on a point that you made about how we're given permission to do some, some new things this year, maybe. Um, and, And I've noticed that we, as an organization, that we were making decisions based more on what's best for kids right now. And I wonder if you're seeing the same thing, like the kind of we've kind of eschewed the budgetary concerns or the personnel concerns and really focusing on what's best for kids. And I was just wondering if, if you've seen the same thing in your organization.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, in some ways we've been forced to in, yeah. in a way that's really positive um, because we're have to reach out to kids and interact with kids in a way that's new and different. So it forces us to kind of look at the way we do things and how we operate with new eyes. And that's allowed us to, and really forced us to um, see what do kids need? What are they doing? What are they saying? How are they experiencing this? Um, and I would also say as an organization, we're also doing, I would say this year, a much better job of really listening to teachers, too. Mm-hmm. Within a large organization, I find that there are so many levels and so many different stakeholders. But this year feels different. Direct yeah. access, direct line of communication to teachers back and forth, as well as students, which has yeah. been really powerful.
0: Yeah, And Amy, I know you're not directly attached to a school district or to a school. Um, have you seen anything similar in your organization? Where you uh, could, like the focus is maybe shifted to where it maybe should have been the whole time?
4: Yeah, well, I would say probably not internally so much as in our work in serving others. There's a refocus on our message, right, about data and its importance. Mm-hmm. And we're at this really pivotal point where, um, you know, social justice, equity, all those conversations, you can't have those conversations without having the underlying data and evidence to support those conversations, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's been really helpful in highlighting um, those themes for folks. Um, But yeah, it's it's just a really good place to be. The focus is on
2: students. I think we have gathered so much data in this state and we do it constantly, but we're not really using it to our advantage. I'd like to see that happen. Yeah, that's a challenge for sure.
1: We'd love to learn your thoughts on the challenges for women reaching leadership positions in technology, and also what opportunities are you taking advantage of to raise awareness or help bring about change in your organization? So Trish, why don't we start with you?
2: Okay, it's my favorite topic lately. (laughs) Um, I... uh, I went back to school to get my doctorate in educational leadership because I started feeling very passionate about the leadership and I wanted to learn more about leadership. But also, um, I wasn't seeing a lot of women in leadership and technology and was hoping to kind of move that forward. During the uh, first two years when you're doing the coursework and you're talking about your dissertation, I came up with the idea of researching uh, how women reach leadership roles in technology and K to 12 school districts. And the topic kind of fell on deaf ears. People weren't that interested in it. And this was back in 2010 and 2011. Um, uh, because of work, I had to take a break from my doctoral program. And that break lasted about three years. Uh, During the third year in 2014, technology, women in technology, became the topic. And all the tech companies were being called out for not having women in tech roles. And so I proposed my dissertation once more, reached back out to them, and they were interested in it. And so um, I was able to work on a dissertation in that topic. and. It was very interesting in that there was no research at all about women reaching leadership roles in technology in K-12 schools. Um, there was tech industry research, and then the only comparison position was the superintendent. So there was research in that area. That's another area. There's about 25% female superintendents. Oh, wow. And uh, so... It, Tech is lower, but, um, you know, it was the only kind of like position that has been challenging for women as well. So that was very revealing.
0: Yeah, I would have thought superintendents would have been higher. That's interesting. No. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm.
1: Tracy, how about you?
5: Um, I think the most important thing is having role models and having the conversation. I'm really grateful for this conversation because I, even I, in my day-to-day, I don't have a lot of opportunity to interact with and talk shop with other female tech leaders. And I'll say, honestly, imposter syndrome, it's, it's real. Um, I experience it on the daily, on the hour by hour. I never in my wildest dreams would I have guessed that I would have become a chief technology officer. Even when I told my mom, when I got this job, she's like what's that title? Say that again? I'm like, I know. uh, How crazy is that? But for me, it's about leadership. It's about what we've been talking about. It's about connecting dots. It's about using tools powerfully, using data powerfully to change learning experiences and outcomes for kids. And so it's so important to have the conversation for folks and women in particular to see how they might play a role in that rather than it being defined linearly, narrowly, um, and by a subset of, of humans, um, namely and predominantly white men, um, in, in this country and nationally. So having the conversation and then in terms of what am I doing to promote and raise awareness, I'm doing my job first and foremost, and I'm working really hard to do my job well and to model that. I I still think of myself as relatively new in this work and I, I need mentors myself and I need to stay in this conversation. And I think that in doing that, I also look forward to the process being product hopefully and others seeing that potential path for themselves.
0: Yeah. You you mentioned the imposter syndrome and I, I think it's important that we that we recognize that that's real and it's it's gender independent, trust me. Um, But I think it can absolutely be a barrier for people moving forward because they, they feel like they're an imposter. Um, But it's, I think it's important that we, that we address, that we all have, well, I'm assuming that we have all felt that at some point in our journey, like, Oh my gosh, I'm in this role and I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing here or why I'm here or how I'm going to be successful here. But to your point, Tracy, I think just doing your job and, and doing it well, um, and, and understanding that you can have those feelings and it's okay, is a good thing.
1: I'm feeling the imposter syndrome right now because I am not a podcast host. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for bearing through it with me. But I really do like what you said about the pathways. And I think that's why I love this group right now on this panel, because you all have pathways that aren't linear and aren't traditional yeah. for people in leadership roles and technology. So this, this is what you're doing right now is <laughs> taking those opportunities to share that. So that's great. How about you, Amy? Well, I would say that
4: one of the things that I do is, uh, of course, we have all staff meetings and, um, you know, I build in activities, breakout sessions that are really focused on, you um, getting to know one another. Um, so I'm really proud of the culture that we've built in our organization and, and just really proud of the diversity, especially as an organization that is really focused on making software and, and we support data systems. If you look at the tech companies that are out there, um you know I, I, I just I, I'm just really proud of of where we're at in that regard. Um, half of our, our management is women. And I would also say that I'm just a really big fan of um meeting Where you're at. So the message that you know uh, for for the women in our organizations, or for anyone really, is that what they do individually matters. You know that there's, I feel that there's a great leader in every seat. And so for me, it's really about helping them see that, and also being seen in in their role and and what they contribute to the organization and our larger mission. Um, You know, I've had staff who have brought their daughters in to meet me, and at first I thought it was just kind of really you're here to see me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's, it's exactly that. It's, you know, they wanted uh, in this one case, it was a father who, who brought the, you know, his two almost college going uh, uh, kids um, to meet me and to talk with me uh, just to show them, you know, what's possible. You know, they, he said, you know, this is Amy. She's she's in charge of this whole organization of sixty five people, um, and this is what she does. And 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 this is something that you can do too. So I think it's I think that's that's really important.
0: So Amy, Amy, you mentioned leading where you're at, and I think that's that's very important for anybody, um, especially for you know women who who want to move into um, leadership roles in technology or just want to progress in their careers in technology. Can you expand on on what you mean by um, leading where you're at a little bit?
4: Uh, what I would say is, I, I, I encourage people to to speak up because I think there's a lot of uh, folks that kind of like to hang back because there are others that sort of engage. They're they're really kind of at the edge of the seats, jumping into that conversation, and so I really encourage you know uh, those others to participate and to I don't like to use the word lean in, but really that is it. You know, you got to be part of part of that conversation. We all we all have a seat at that table.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Jamie, how about you? I think going back to what Tracy started to talk about in terms of pathways, I feel, you know, a great need in the education space, our kind of expansion of pathways. We really have seen, you know, it's teacher to principal for most educators and, what was great for my pathway was the return of the teacher on special assignment in our district. That had been something that existed years and years ago, but Mm -hmm. it came back right as common core became the thing and the rise of using technology in the classroom. So that, that instantly added, added a new route and we've, we've, you know, we grew that to a certain number and then we had to shrink it back down with budget challenges. And I just don't want that to ever get lost again because it has been a catalyst to really springboard leaders and, um, in my district, there are three former TOSAs leading the district now. And I I think it just really shows that whether, you know, two are principals, I'm a CTO, one is, you know, kind of a lead TOSA. I mean, it really was a great way to get, and all women, um, to get recognized for their, for their efforts and what they can contribute. So I, I just really would love to do some more thinking on how to expand that and make that sustainable.
0: Yeah, that's, um, those are great pathways in my district, we're looking at some highly effective educational systems around the world. And that's, that's a common attribute is they all have that sort of teacher on assignment model where teachers are able to go and um, really invest in the things that they're, um, that they're passionate about and interested in. And uh, I think it probably really helps them grow and, and become the leaders. Like in your district, you said you had three people that came through that pathway. So that's a, that's an important pathway for us.
3: Yeah. And I think there's ways, I mean, there's ways to expand it that don't require a lot of investment. Like one idea I had was um, kind of a sabbatical Um, program where teachers could take a week off and an administrator would take over their class for the week. And then they could focus on maybe exploring a program that they wanted to try out, but didn't know, or they go to a conference and actually have three days to come back from the conference and actually think about what they learned. Mm -hmm. And then that would allow the administrator to stay really, really close to the classroom and and regain that kind of, um, you know, ethos uh, and, and experience. But again, it's just, it's like, and then maybe that person who had that mini sabbatical for a week or, or you know, five days um, started to learn something about themselves. And maybe, you know, I think there's, again, if we just can find a place to slow down and yeah. and rethink and put some effort into this, I think we can solve some of these, you know, really cool challenges.
1: I think it's really interesting, too, with some of the past pathways, even for those who may not have come from the classroom, because looking back at my time in Irvine, I think a lot of the technical staff who started as site techs, they thought that their natural progression was to go to the network side, which there mm-hmm. are other places that you can go as well. You can go into the project management side. You could go mm-hmm. into the DBA or programming side. So there's a lot of different pathways that I think sometimes we get so focused in on. This is the way that we're supposed to this is the linear way of this pathway, mm-hmm. but it it's not linear at all, especially in education. And because there are such a limited number of opportunities in those pathways. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes we are a little, um, I guess, maybe artificially constrained, uh, or we, we have constraints put on ourselves with job descriptions and things which make it, mm-hmm. can make it difficult to to uh, deviate from those kind of predefined <laughs> pathways, too. So We just have to maybe find a way to to work through that.
3: Yeah, and I mean, if this year taught us anything, anything is possible. And like yes. we can, we can do anything, <laughs> and yes. we just have to remember that when we're faced with these really hard challenges.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, I know one of the things that we've talked about, Jamie, is you know, it only took a pandemic uh, to make <laughs> some changes, right? So that's mm-hmm. we, we've talked about changes in previous podcasts, and, and that was kind of one of the recurring themes was, yes, it only took a pandemic to to make bring about this change. It's that silver lining.
2: But just a, a comment about the TOSA, uh, I was a TOSA. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I started in EdTech, tech, ed tech TOSA. And I think it is very important and it's a less intimidating kind of leadership role for teachers mm. who mm. do want to go to the next level.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point, because, you know, making that transition to assistant principal or principal is uh, it's hard to turn back from that. Whereas you can kind of dip your toe into the water uh, with with the TOSA roll. So yeah, that's an interesting point. So I really appreciate the the conversations that we've had about uh, the past technology leadership and, and some of the challenges that women in technology face. And I'm really interested in hearing what your thoughts and your perspectives are on the future and where we're headed. So the, the first question that I'd like to throw out there is what problem do you wish you could solve? And uh, Amy, can you take that one?
4: Sure. Um, I'd like to solve this problem of authenticity and courage to hold space for difficult conversations. I think that people are really different and unique. And um, I, I think actually this goes back to that part about leading from where you're at, that uniqueness really makes that conversation so much more robust and rich. And, and you can't have a good conversation, a good discussion about things if it's just all sound bites and superficial. So it's mm-hmm. Just for people to have more trust than they have doubt. you know. And I think right now that's a tall order.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Trish?
2: I think in the conversation, I would like to see um, our male colleagues look at our female colleagues as colleagues and yeah. not differentiate and not treat us differently because we're female. And to realize when we come to a conference or when we come to work, we're there for the learning at the conference. We're there for the work, you know, that... Uh, we're not, we're not there for any other reason. We're a colleague, you know, don't treat us differently.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So
1: Amy, I like what you said about creating a safe space and I feel like the topic of women in technology has been something that's been discussed quite a bit um, in general. So our next question is, what do you think is ripe for reinvention? What do you think we haven't been talking about, about uh, women in technology?
3: Um, that, that could be changed. So Jamie, why don't we start with you? Specifically, I think, you know, talking about what Trish was saying about just approaching people as colleagues, you know, when I originally took this role, I found it, you know, quite fun to say oh I was an English teacher now I you know lead a technology team and that look of shock like what and I always just thought of it as it was an unlikely leap to go from the classroom to technology especially with the humanities side and I never really perceived that it was because I was a woman and I'm grateful for that and I and I don't think it ever was when I when I shared that story with people um it was it was quite fun and I actually got a lot of you know joy out of like shocking people with that unlikely leap And, and um But I also think that there is some value in acknowledging the challenges um, of being a woman in in leadership. And I think I'd been insulated in my district and hadn't really seen challenges that other people might have faced because we have really strong female leaders in our district. And so I'm really grateful for that. But I also think now I have this sensitivity um, to that. and and being aware that other people might not have had the easy pathway that I did and, and the support and appreciation and recognition and the belief, even though it was hard, um, people believed in me and that that made it a much easier transition, and then so I again, again, I think it's worth you know being colleagues, but I also think it's worth recognizing the struggle and acknowledge that and, and supporting each other. So I think that's something that maybe we can we can do a little bit more. But on the topic of technology, I think there's a moment in time right now after our past year that that is right for reinvention, and that is just how we whether we it's, um, how we you know gather for conferences. I think there's something we can do to kind of change that space, and even education. We've learned so much. And I don't know what those answers are, but I think, I think those are two things, just, you know, how we actually do school and how we, how we, you know, teach and learn is, is at a a moment of a a catalyst.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm really excited for what changes we can have specifically around professional development. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our, our our past model was, you know, get everybody together in a single room and, and do this kind of direct instruction model for professional development. And um, I'm hoping that going forward, we can really shake that up.
1: How about
5: you, Tracy? So I too, I'm really excited about all of the reinvention opportunities that this year has made possible and evident for us. So PD, collaboration, how we teach, how we learn, how we work, lots of exciting opportunities there. I think kind of stepping, taking a step back and thinking about and approaching our, our work as possibility spaces going forward. I think this year has, again, has forced us to do that, but how do we take that and learn from it, um, slow down and, and see not only what's possible, um, but what's,
3: what's sort of, what's emerging,
0: Thank you for that, Tracy. Uh, So what should we stop doing, Jamie?
3: So I went, uh, one ISTE conference I went to a few years ago, the, um, one of the keynote speakers started talking about, you know, things we should kind of stop saying or stop doing, and I was really inspired and kind of took part of that message that we should stop saying we're bad at technology. And I know nobody on this panel would say that, but we hear that among mm-hmm. teachers. We hear mm-hmm. that among colleagues, like, oh, you know, tech's just not my thing. That's not the case anymore. Not after this year. It yeah. is everybody's thing. So we can, we can totally erase that from our vocabulary and encourage others to really just call out, like, "Well, wow, you have done a lot this year. You are, you know, you may not feel that you're the best, but you are definitely better than you were a year ago. So um, no more, I'm not good with technology.
0: Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned staff and, and teachers there, but I would say also students um, mm-hmm. I've heard that from students uh, and, and definitely, I think as of, as of this year, that's no longer uh, okay for students because, because mm-hmm. we know that they can do this and they can be good at technology.
2: Mm-hmm. How about you, Trish? I'm going to take a little different path. Um, when we talk about women and their pathways to leadership roles in technology, I think what we as women need to stop doing is telling ourselves that we're not qualified for something mm-hmm. We need to, you know, apply, give it a shot, you know, go put yourself out there, stop limiting your future. You know, I think that has been the one thing that holds us back. We want to be so prepared that we can Mm -hmm. walk into a job and take it on day one. And you know what? Everybody learns on the job. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to start allowing ourselves to learn on the job to take on roles that may be a challenge for us and not to limit our thinking about what we can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In our, in our pre-meeting, Trish, you had mentioned some statistics around that. I'm not going to hold you to the numbers, but. No, I
2: think it was someone else mentioned it. Oh, okay. Like that men will apply for jobs if they're like 10% qualified and women won't, unless they're 90% qualified. Some ridiculous thing where men just like, sure, I can do that job. And, yeah. you know, we need to think that way too. It's like, yeah, yeah well, I could do that job.
0: Don't hold us to those numbers because we don't have the study in front of I us. I don't but have there any was study stu- in
2: front of me, yeah. but it's, um, there, it's, a, it's a big difference. Yeah.
1: It absolutely. was a Harvard Business Review article. I'll include it in the show notes.
2: Oh, thank you, too. <laughs> thank you.
1: Well, thanks for that, Trish. So uh, now we want to know, what is the biggest challenge that you are facing? So Amy, why don't we start with you?
4: Oh, probably just to dovetail on, on, on Trisha's point about... Um, you know, getting women in, right. Recruitment is such a difficult thing. Um, You know, how do you communicate that you not only have, you know, the hottest tech stack, but that you're an awesome company to work for and, and that you make a difference in people's lives. So, you know, for us, I think it's really getting that message out and, and ensuring that we're, we're, we're filling our, we're, we're, backfilling our, our positions with people that you know, are not just high quality, they contribute to the culture um, and that, that it's fulfilling for them too. So I think yeah. sometimes, um, I think we had talked in the pre-meeting about the, the difficulty around job descriptions and sometimes those can be um constraining. And I think those are systemic structural issues that need to be overcome. So I think that that's kind of a big challenge.
0: Yeah. And I know, I know I'm not a panelist, but that's, you know, if I was going to answer the, what problem do I wish I could solve? It would be um, ensuring that that we cast the broadest net possible for candidates, highly qualified candidates for positions, and like you said, hiring people not only for their their technical acumen or their you know their their job history or their education, but also for their cultural fit.
1: Yeah, definitely hiring for attitude. <laughs> All right, um, how about you, Tracy?
5: The biggest challenge we're facing as an organization, and perhaps even as a as a country. Some of what folks were alluding to earlier is uh, deficit thinking and Mm. deficit model. Instead of paying attention to what's not working, because let's be real, there's plenty that's not working. There will always be plenty that's not working, but there's so much that is, and there's so much that's really positive um, and powerful. So both at the student level, what are the assets that students are bringing that we can leverage, see and leverage, as well as at an organization level? Uh, what are we doing that's really working? How do we highlight that and magnify that and use that to drive our work forward?
0: Well, I'd like to thank the panelists for sharing their thoughts on, on uh, where we're headed. Um, and, and now we'd like to ask, you know, what is one thing you would want our listeners to know or understand about the challenges of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Uh, also known as DEI. That is something that I learned in our pre-conversation um, in the technology space as it relates to women.
3: Jamie, why don't I you can go first? Star- yeah. Thank you. I was going to start with this one. I, f- I feel like being a part of this panel and the prep work that we did just really sharpened my understanding of some of the challenges as i mentioned earlier i think i've been i've been fortunately insulated but i want to be more sensitive and and recognize those challenges so for me after some you know reflection on the things i can control in my organization and the things that i am a part of i feel like i can do a better job with our job descriptions and the positions that we're hiring for, making sure that they're accessible and including language in there that is welcoming and doesn't feel like a barrier. So looking at, you know, educational experience, looking at um, desired skills, you know, writing in things like ability to learn, um, self-motivated, like those are the things that I don't know for sure in there. And so I want to take a look at um, perhaps the data on the past applicants and and have there been gender differences? Because I definitely have seen that we rarely get uh, women applying to our tech positions. So I, to me, I think it's it's going to be the recruiting and the job description. And that's something I can you know start tomorrow and take a look at. So I'm excited for that. Yeah.
0: How about you, Amy?
4: Well, I would say that there's so many um, layers to diversity, the, the equity, and inclusion. And I think it's really like the iceberg, you know, metaphor. I think you have to create this culture where you, where the focus is to to help people feel seen and, and included. You know, it's not just the tip of the iceberg, but the whole thing, you know, go really deep. And to remember that, you know, we're all human and that we have so much in common um, and that we're all connected. I think that that's just like a really good starting point for the changes that we want to make, right, right? Um, And just to go from there and and allow each other the grace of learning right through that process.
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. Trish, what's one thing you'd like our listeners to know?
2: Uh, Well, I'm thinking about a lot of things, but I just Mm -hmm. want to say one thing that came out during the pandemic and was to me a bigger problem than technology access was the fact that a lot of employees didn't have childcare. And that this fell on women more than men. And a lot of women left the workforce if they couldn't work remotely because they didn't have childcare. And I think one of the things we need to address is the fact that children aren't just a woman problem. They are everyone's charge, that everyone should be there to help children grow and learn. And that includes our men and women, and that we all share responsibility there And when it comes to bringing women into technology, that's one of the areas that has to be addressed as it needs to be addressed in all jobs is, you know, making sure that women can go down that pathway because they have the support if they're mothers or parents or, you know, whatever, they may be responsible for their parent, you know, that they have other responsibilities. And I think, you know, allowing for that in our workforce is important.
0: Yeah, it's another one of those silver linings, is is we've proved that it's possible. And finally, Tracy, what's one thing you'd want our listeners to take away?
2: I would build
5: on on what Trish was sharing. I think flexibility is really key for women in leadership roles. I'm personally, I'm a relatively new mother of an 18-month at home, 18-month-old at home, um, beautiful baby girl who I had was on maternity leave came back from maternity leave a couple of weeks and then we closed down for the pandemic so i've also had the great privilege and fortune of being able to be home with her and work remotely and continue to lead um, and do the work that I do. And that would not have been possible if it were not for technology. And so, as you said, this pandemic has impacted different communities um, with varying degrees. And I think going forward, if we can really take lessons learned, how do we use technology to create more flexibility, to create more access to pathways and opportunity for folks who otherwise wouldn't have it if we were limited?
0: So I'd like to, to say a special thank you to our guests. And as always, a shout out to SITE for supporting this podcast. Uh, we'd love to give each one of our guests a minute of airtime for shout outs, gratitude, or appreciation. So Tracy, why don't you start with it?
5: Yes. So I want to shout out to my entire team who just worked their butts off this year. And creatively, and incredible generosity to do work that we never believed possible. I also want to thank my family for being an incredible support, um, for taking care of me, for allowing me this opportunity to do this incredible work this year. And for everyone along the way, who's, who's seen that spark and nurtured that spark in me and believed that, um,
3: I could, I could do great things. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Jamie, this is your, this is your opportunity.
3: Uh, thanks Shane um <laughs> shout shout out of course to Shane and Tudor for letting me be on the other side of the mic so to speak this this week um, Absolutely. just really awesome but also yeah I like Tracy I have had a really successful year because of the the tech team that um, I'm surrounded by and also to my student interns and to our student tech council I've learned so much from them this year so I just want to make sure they know that they're appreciated and have really contributed in positive ways to shape the decisions that we've made this year
0: here. Thank you so much. How about you, Trish?
2: It's definitely a big thank you to my team here. Um, They are awesome. It's the best team I've ever worked with. And uh, that's saying a lot. And uh, I really appreciate everything they do pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. Um, They are always awesome. And um, a big shout out to my daughter who is always a motivator for me and who's in technology as well.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy.
2: Oh, well, I'm just really
4: grateful to be here. Um, but I would like to do a quick shout out to um, Russ Fraun. He is was such a great role model for me um, in terms of the leadership style and just, you know, just how he approached life in general. Um, and he was a Active member of, of site, well, back then it was SEDPA, board member, president, you know, all the, all those things. He's very involved in the organization. So I'm really appreciative of being on the, on the podcast today. Um, I'm a super big believer in keeping my network strong. So I really want to thank all of them for <laughs> helping me um, this whole year because uh, I've always leaned on other others for advice, others who have gone that way and I don't have to recreate the wheel, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and then finally, also to my team, because, you know, when I finally said that I just needed to be offline for a day and I just took off. Uh, they totally handled everything. And, you know, just there's such a great team. So thank you.
0: And, and I'd like to to take a moment to say thank you to everyone uh, that's on the panel today. And to Tudor for being the producer for this show and also joining as a, as a host uh, in place of uh, Jamie. You've done, you've done a great job. So thank you for being here.
1: Thanks. And I'd like to give you a special shout out, Shane, for being an ally to women in technology and being open to conversations like this, because that's how we make the change. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. My pleasure.
1: And we have one final question for you, and it's a really good one. I have to give all the credit to Jamie because she's really good at these and they're always really hard. So it's a would you rather question. Would you rather have all meetings that are virtual for 12 months, but always end early or all meetings in person and they will always run late? Amy, why don't we start with you? Ending
3: early. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, how about you? This is your question. For sure, ending early. Absolutely. Get get so much time back.
5: Tracy? Yeah, no brainer. Ending early. But I (laughs) will say that we shouldn't stay in this paradigm of either or. We've got to, so, okay, fine. We could do all the meetings virtually, but we have to come (laughs) together in person some other way.
2: Agreed. agree. Trish? I like that. Oh, I'll take ending early. We can get together for food. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, what that. I was going to say.
1: Just plan a happy hour. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that'll work. What about you, Shane?
0: I'll take the uh, happy hour running late.
2: We're hour. All on the same <laughs> uh, that's a better option. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's the end of this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for participating and for all of our listeners being here. And we'll see you next time.